Hey, it is always awesome to be with you guys. I love being here with young adults and love what God's doing here. I love that you have this space. And the theme that Matt and Carrie and David and the rest of the team, Angie, have been working you guys through this year about growing in wholeness, growing in health in every area of your life. That's so important. And you need a space like that because this year has been tough, right? We all like to joke that it's been a dumpster fire, and it has. And you need a safe place to be able to grow healthy and be honest about the things that are going on in your life that really battle against your mind and your heart. And tonight, I want to push you a little bit. I want, to, I want to help you think beyond just yourself, maybe your bubble, and to push you to think about what purpose you're really living for. And I'll just be honest, in terms of discovering my purpose and finding the purpose God has for my life, I've had a lot of twists and turns in my journey, and it's been confusing at times. I don't have it all figured out. I want to show you a picture of my family because some of you haven't met. I'm going to get this stool. Uh, these are my girls. I have three daughters, 16, 15, and 13, so y'all can pray for me. It is a spicy household at the Paxton establishment, and I love my girls. I love being a dad. That's my number one purpose besides being a follower of Jesus is to love my family and lead my family well. Danielle and I have been married for 18 years, and we love, yeah. And I love her more than any human on the planet. We've had our twists and turns in the journey. We've had moments in our, in our work life where we're just, we haven't been sure how things are going to work out. We've had moments where the crap has hit the fan and it's completely blew up in our face and we're like, what next? We've had moments in our life of incredible joy and fulfillment in the work that we do. But when I talk about purpose tonight, I want to talk so about something deeper than the job that you do, like where you get your paycheck and the purpose that God has for you. And that's incredibly important to differentiate and get in your mind because the solutions the world is offering us to find our purpose are just not working. I read a statistic recently about young adults. Uh, they did a survey of 7,500 young adults that are in the working world, uh, aged 25 to 34, and 73% said they're completely burned out. That's a staggering statistic. Before the age of 40, Seven, almost 75% of young adults say they're just burned out. And this season might have contributed to that or whatever, but that's, that's significant. I read a book a number of years ago called Generation Me, and I brought a picture to show you. There's a cool tat on somebody's stomach. Uh, can you put that picture up there? And I recommend this book. It's, it's a great book about understanding uh, the culture that you're living in and some of the messages that we've grown up hearing. And the tagline is, why today's young American, uh, young American, what does that say? Are, yeah, young Americans are more confident, assertive, entitled, and more miserable than ever before. And so if that's you, if you feel like that represents you, I'm glad you're here, because I think God has more for you than that. And if you're like, man, that sounds judgmental. I think you should read the book because you need to know, like, there are a lot of people that are really struggling. It, it really details the rise of the self-esteem generation and that over the last 20 years, the rise of me-centered messaging and believe in yourself and you do you and all the messages that you hear subtly around you bombard you all the time about just believe in yourself, you can do it, have really impacted the cultural psyche in a negative way. That's a huge cause of the rise of anxiety in young adults. Because the reality underneath of it, and this person doesn't write from a Christian perspective, is that we're trying to craft our own identity and find a purpose that's going to fill us inside. We're going to exhaust ourselves because we can't do it. And God has a purpose for us that's so much deeper 
than the image we craft for ourselves or the job that we find that's going to fulfill us, that's mythical out there somewhere. Because if we're just always looking for that next thing and we get in that rat race, we lead to burnout trying to find something that might not ever exist for us. And what if God has something so much better for you? I think the spirit of the age is summarized by the poet Thoreau really well. He said this a number of years ago. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. And I want you to hear tonight that God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for your friends. He's put a song in your heart that he wants to unleash and set free. And it's a song that's, that's really centered in learning to direct your life and your love and your affection towards him of finding a real relationship with Jesus for yourself and following him into the purpose for your life. Because the Bible is really clear. God did not make you as an accident. He created you for a purpose. You've probably have heard this verse before. It's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. You didn't have to come up with it or craft it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God dreamed you up before the creation of the world and planned good things for your life, a good purpose for your life, and he wants you to walk into those things through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why he came to set you free to pursue the good purpose that God created you for before the creation of the world. And that's beautiful. That word masterpiece there in the Greek is the word poema. And it's like a song that God wrote, a, a poem that God wrote, that you are an expression of God's beauty and his goodness. And that's really good news. And did you hear? You don't have to create that. You just have to follow him into it. And so if you're looking for a talk about like how to find the job that's going to get, be your dream job, this isn't, I'm not your guy. Like there's probably like books you can go check out in Barnes and Noble. You can go find that. And there is discernment needed for just finding a job that fits your gifts and passions and skill set. And that's important. But tonight I want to talk about something deeper. I want to talk about three keys that I believe are really important for finding God's purpose for our life, which is so much deeper. And the first one is this, it's the ultimate Jesus juke. It's to find Jesus. You can do a lot of good things with your life, but if you don't find a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can never fulfill the purpose God has for your life. And if you're new to this whole Bible and Jesus thing and church thing, you're like, who is this guy? When you read the Bible, Jesus is awesome. He was a man on a mission to change the world. He wasn't a guy sitting around with sheep singing kumbaya and, you know, praying prayers. To, people weren't praying prayers to baby Jesus. I mean, the guy was, he was doing things that were changing people's lives. When you read the scriptures, Jesus is amazing. And he was not only showing people what God was really like, and we sing songs to him about that. I mean, that song we just sang, cleansing the lepers and healing the broken. Jesus embodied that. He lived that. And then he invited people to follow him and be a part of that mission. I want to take you to the first passage where Jesus makes his mission crystal clear. It's in Mark chapter 1. And this is what he says. It's really simple. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. So Jesus announces his mission, and then he gives 
his first followers the same mission. Did you guys catch what the mission is? The kingdom of God has come near. Jesus came to invite us into God's kingdom, into a relationship with the king of the universe by faith that changes our entire lives. And that's what the word repent means and believe. Repent is just rethinking your life, learning to see life from God's perspective, from his point of view, and to go in his direction. Of give up trying to do life our own way and make things work on our own power and now learning to live by God's power. We don't have to waste our lives serving the wrong master. We can serve the king of the universe and be a part of his mission. And I grew up in church and never heard that. And so tonight, I just want to give you a couple images that might be able to break that down for you if you've never heard about the gospel, the good news before, and what it is. Because I think visuals can sometimes help us in a way that maybe words can't communicate. And there's a couple simple images that I've learned over the years that help me understand this good news and how to find that relationship with Jesus if you're searching for that for yourself. Or if you have a friend that's searching for that, this is a simple way to draw it on a napkin. If someone has questions about what you believe, if someone at work what man, you live really differently. You seem to have a, a deeper purpose than just getting a paycheck. What's different about you? Well, I believe the gospel. That's the best news you've ever heard. Well, tell me about that. And this could help you walk them through that. And there's no formula to it, but I'll put it on the screen. You guys might have seen this before. There's a few classic illustrations about the gospel. But this is known as the bridge illustration. And so when you think about how God created the world from the beginning, God created us to be in a relationship with him. And I'm going to draw this backwards from the image. Us. We are created in God's image. That was our purpose, to reflect his good character in the world. And that relationship was close. It was unsevered. And God walked with his people in the garden in the cool of the day, and it was beautiful. Everything was in harmony together in the beginning. It's this picture of shalom, of wholeness that you guys have been talking about. But we know really quickly in the third chapter of the Bible, something happens that gets broken. And this chasm begins to exist between us and God that we can't fix. And it's because of this word called sin. Now, I grew up in church falling asleep because I just, I would rather read Lord of the Rings or watch basketball. And for those of you guys who are here and skip the basketball games, that's awesome. Good for you. You are in the right place right now, right? I have my basketball shirt on and I love speaking to young adults because I can wear that in my hat backwards. So good times. I'm glad, glad you guys are here. But I, that's what I love. I love sports. I loved, that was what I was into. It, it, epic stories. I love to read those. And church just seemed like a different world that I didn't understand. And I never heard the gospel in church. And so when I heard the gospel for the first time that God created me, wanted to have a relationship with me, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why does that matter? And then I heard about this thing called sin. I had never heard about it before. And this, the reality is we all have this problem inside. It, it's what leads to brokenness inside of us. It, it leads to the fractured self that we have the self that's searching for who we really are and trying to prove ourselves and, and earn our own way in this world. It's the part of us that makes us want to do bad things. And let's be honest, we all want to do bad things. There's that part of us in there, right? That is just a part of being human. And that's what sin is. It's a condition that goes deeper than just bad behavior. 
It's a part of being broken and separated from God. And so we can't fix this problem. And I'm like, I remember when I, I went to this youth camp called Young Life. And we were walking through this progression of talks about the gospel. And every night was like kind of a different part of the gospel. And it started with creation. And then it got to the sin night. And I remember I went to my football coach, who's my Young Life leader. And I, I, I didn't like church, but I liked Z. And he got me interested and open to this whole Jesus thing. And I remember telling him, like, how do I fix this problem? Like this sin thing. I never heard of it. How do I fix it? He goes, you can't. And I was like, that sucks. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? He goes, just wait. Wait till tomorrow night. Because the really good news of the Bible is he started a rescue operation, a mission to save his sinful and broken world immediately after it happened when you read the Bible. The whole Old Testament is God beginning to pursue his people and showing them what he's really like. And then he stepped into human history in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is the full expression of God, God's own son, showing us exactly what he's like. And then he did the unthinkable. The perfect son of God gave his life to create a bridge between us and him. He made a way for us to go back into a restored relationship with the Father by faith, by putting our trust in what he's done. And now the kingdom is at hand. And when we find that relationship, when we put our faith in Jesus for ourselves, it begins to change something deep inside of us. I remember the first time I put my faith in the gospel for myself, the first thing I heard the Holy Spirit say to me is, I love you for more than what you accomplish on the football field. Because my whole value and identity was wrapped up in my performance. And God was showing me he had a much deeper purpose for my life. And I did get to go on to do really well in sports, but this purpose went with me. I was not only playing football, but I was helping my friends know about Jesus. Because immediately when I found about, out about this good news that, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead, and now I can walk across this bridge into a relationship with God, this is where the good stuff happens. Over here, you know, this is the old life. Now the new life is where we find joy and peace and a new purpose and direction that gives meaning to our life every day, whether we like our job or not. I went to college at William Mary to play quarterback. And that ended up not working out. My goal in going to, to college was to set every record at quarterback in school history and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. The first one didn't happen because I ended up being four string and I moved positions to H-back. And I really enjoyed it. But H-back was this completely behind-the-scenes role that never got any credit. I'd catch like two passes a game and get hit and block people. And, you know, if you know football, it's the guy who goes into the line and you never see him again. I'm creating a way for other people. That's what I, I had to gain a bunch of weight and bang my neck on people. It still hurts. But I never got to, to live out my dreams as a quarterback. But I did get to make a difference in people's lives in the kingdom of God because I served and loved my friends and I saw friends' lives change and find Jesus in the midst of a really dark, secular college. And that was the greatest adventure of my life. And I got to lead this thing called Young Life and I got to see teenagers begin to put their hope in Jesus. And I got to see God bring white kids and black kids together in the school, the only place that was happening besides the sports teams. Because the gospel begins to change things. The good stuff is over here. When you, when you put your faith in Jesus and, and walk across over here, you find a new purpose immediately. You begin to share God's mission 
for yourself. And so maybe you've grown up in church, but you've never actually started a relationship with Jesus. You've never said yes to him for yourself. Or maybe you know the good stuff's over there, but you're just resisting because you're in this deconstruction place. And deconstruction's like really cool with young adults right now. Let's, like, let's deconstruct everything. And it's okay to hold up our questions to the word of God. But if we don't reconstruct our faith on Jesus and have him in the center, what do we have but our own ideas and an anxious mess that's not worth building our life on? Jesus wants so much more for us than that. He wants to be a, us to be a part of his mission right now. He wants us to learn to fish for people wherever I go. And when we embrace that call for ourselves, we embrace that adventure, that mission, it gives meaning and purpose to our life no matter what our job is. But here's the thing. I don't think we've learned to think about church that way. The New Testament Christians, they did. I brought a picture to show you. I'm going to skip the next image, and we just did that one. This, this image is one of the first images found that Christians drew in early Christian art. And it's from the catacombs of early Rome. And Christians were persecuted, and they would have to draw pictures so people would find where their meetings were. And they got this, that one of the most common images for the church was this boat that they would draw because they knew their mission was to fish for people, was to call people out of darkness into the light of God, to see other people find their lives changed by the king of the universe who had given their life for them. And they were on this rescue mission, and they knew there were high stakes involved. And in America, I think we're kind of comfortable with the buildings that we have and the nice stuff that we have and the, the really good messages that we have. And, and we trade this adventurous high-stakes mission for a comfortable consumer expression of religion. And we wonder why we're drowning in anxiety and not living out a life with meaning and purpose. And God wants so much more for us than that. I think often our experience with church is kind of like my first experience fishing. So I, the, the whole fishing for people thing didn't really connect with me. I'm a football guy, and I, never, I never grew up fishing. Anybody fish, like fishing out there? Well, that's good. Good for you. Well, I actually served as a pastor of a big church in Minnesota for a while, and if you know anything about Minnesota, it's cold, and it's got 10,000 lakes, right? So in a sermon, I, I made a comment that... I'd never gone fishing before, and I literally got 10,000 invitations like the next day. You're coming fishing with me. So I go fishing for the first time. I'm like, all right, what's this going to be like? And we get on this big boat, and I'm with my friends, and it's cool. We're having a good time. They, they brought some good drinks, some good snacks. And then we get our fishing lines, and we put them up on the edge of the boat. And we leave them there. We put them in the salt, and then this thing goes really fast. And the fishing line just drags through the water and catches all the fish. I literally fell asleep because there was nothing for me to do until we got to the end. And we got the fish off the pole that I did nothing to catch them. And now we clean them and go home. And I was sitting there thinking, like, I think this was my experience of church growing up. And I think so many people's experience of church is you go to this show and you expect the people on the stage to do the work of fishing for the people to see the lives change. And you don't know that God is calling you to play a part in going out into the world and living on mission with him. And when you get that mission and you're interacting with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your daily life, man, it is an adventure of your life. Sometimes people go to college. I read this book one time um, uh, about college Christianity and how to keep, uh, keep people Christians in college. I think that was the title. And I was like, that is the worst title of a book I've ever seen. Because <laughs> if your goal is to stay Christian from a scary world, you are missing out 
Our mission is to go into the world and help people find the hope that's unshakable, that's overcome sin and death and the devil, and can set people free in ways that are beyond our power and control. When Jesus said, come follow me, he didn't promise prosperity. He didn't promise your dream job right away. He didn't promise the most beautiful spouse you've ever seen. Although those things could happen for you. I'm not saying they won't. He promised to make you fishers of men to send you on a mission worth giving your life for. What purpose are you living for? Have you found that purpose? Have you said yes to Jesus for yourself? Do you believe he's calling you to be a disciple maker? I think we've bought into this sacred secular divide. And I've, this image is helpful. Now put on the screen. It's the circle image. Yeah, that's, no, 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 keep going. I'm skipping that one. Yeah, right there. I think we bought into this divide that the spiritual is the thing that happens that the people up on the stage do or that work for the church, the missionaries that go overseas, and then there's secular where the, the home and work and business, the marketplace happens, I'm kind of doing my paycheck thing and making it through the day, where Jesus breaks that whole thing down. Go back to that where the church is image. I mean, this is the image of the church. Wherever God has placed you, you are called to fish for people. And he's put gifts and passions and skills in you. I was talking to Evan in the back. That guy's got skills in engineering and technical stuff. He's starting a business as a college student. I'm like, that is awesome. And wherever you go start that business, there's going to be people that need Jesus. Do that business really well and look for who God's working in and how you can be a part of their journey. Encouraging them to grow in their relationship with God. Maybe looking for opportunities to, to share the gospel, to bring them on the journey with you, to invite them to your small group. Whatever they're open to and ready for, you fish for people wherever you go. And, it, and, and I don't think God's all that concerned about what job you choose to do with your life. What's the thing that brings you joy? What's the thing that you are interested in, you're passionate about? Take a risk and go for it. And then know that your purpose is so much deeper than the job and the paycheck that you have. It's serving the king of the universe wherever you are. Martin Luther King got this really well. He has a great quote where he said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as a Michelangelo painted or a Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. That man could preach, man. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job really well. Jesus brings dignity to our work. Part of the song he puts in our heart is that we get to worship God wherever we go. And then we look for opportunities to join him in fishing for people in those places. Man, that gives meaning to your life. Your purpose is not to make a paycheck, it's to serve the king of the universe who's died to set you free. And when you get this, it is so cool. I want to show you a picture of a couple of my friends. These are a couple of my friends. This, on, on the right is Thomas. That's us, actually, when I lived in Phoenix. He owns a landscaping company in the Triangle that covers for a men's discipleship ministry. This guy can build a patio, and he can make your lawn look beautiful. I can testify because he's done it for me. But then wherever he goes, he's praying, God, show me who I can serve, who I can bless, who I can encourage, who I can bring hope. And the guy has story after story of opportunities he had to share the gospel, to pray with people, to invite people into a deep relationship with Jesus. Wherever he goes, and he's a landscaper. He's doing more ministry than most of the people that work for this church. It's awesome because we're in this thing together. We're all called to fish for people. And the people that work for the church are actually, we're here to equip you for the, for the purpose that God's created you for, to live into that, where you live, learn, work, and play. 
And the guy on the right, Preston, that's the guy talking to the dry bones right there. I don't know if you've met Preston. He's actually spoken at Young Adults before. Uh, but he owns a renovation company. And he renovates homes, and it's beautiful. I can testify, he renovated our, our kitchen when we had a leak that completely ruined our kitchen. And he, their company did a great job, great work. And he looks for opportunities to, to share the hope of Jesus wherever he goes. When you get this, it is so cool. And so the first thing, if you're going to find God's purpose for your life, it's to find Jesus. Because even better than reading about Jesus, it's interacting with him, it's knowing him, it's following him for yourself into the adventure and purpose he has for you. And the last two points I'm actually going to make pretty quick so we can go celebrate some baptisms. The second thing you need to find is your people. You need to find your people because you don't find God's purpose for your life alone. There's some trial and error that happens. You need to find people that are wiser than you that can give you feedback about what you're really gifted in and what you're really good at. And that's a part of why we're in this together. Not only do you need that, that help in discerning God's path for your life and navigating tough decisions that you make, but you need people to live this out with and encourage. That's why we need small groups. Because we're not meant to do this thing alone. We're, we're called to be in this as a family, as a body of Christ. And when you have a family that's with you, that brings meaning and purpose to your life that's even greater than your paycheck too. You got people that are fighting for God's best for your life and for God to open opportunities for you to use the gifts he's given you. And I'm so blessed that I've had so many of these people in my life. And some of the best advice that I got when I was a young adult was that you need to go be around people that inspire you. And that was a part of why our family moved from Virginia to California to go to seminary, because I wanted to be a part of a community that was incredibly diverse. And the only thing that I had seen in my church experience in the South was white churches and black churches. And I had seen God begin to bring a breakdown of those walls and in, through the ministry I was doing with Young Life, but that just wasn't happening in the church. And I heard this pastor speak who was leading an incredibly diverse church, and I wanted to go be a part of that and learn from him. And I was a part of a church in Los Angeles that had 84 different ethnicities in it. It was beautiful. And the seminary I went to had over 100 different nations a part of it. And so that was a part of me learning in my journey as a leader to be prepared for serving the churches. I needed to go be around people that inspired me to do the things that God had put me in my heart. Because we have to learn from people that are farther down the journey from us. And sometimes we have to take risks to go after that. So I want to encourage you to, if you're, if you're in the field, you know God's made you to be a lawyer. Like, you, that's the purpose, the job you want to pursue. Find a lawyer that inspires you and that you know is doing good work for the kingdom and ask if you can do an internship with them. You know, what, just whatever field you're in, you need to find someone farther down the road that can, you can learn from their example because we need to find our people if we're going to find our purpose. And you need a group of people that you're living this out with and that's why I can't recommend you being a part of a small group enough if you're not in one. Everybody needs a community that's fighting for God's best for their life. And then you need to find your people around you that are open to your faith. There are people all around you that are open to the gospel that God wants to use you to share the hope of Christ with. Wherever you live, learn, work, and play. So find your people. And I would encourage you tonight to pray and ask God, God, show me the people in my life that are open to you that I can encourage. And you might even be thinking of that person right now. Because here's the reality, is 
you guys live in a generation where we need you to lead the way on this because there's less and less young adults saying, you know what I need to find my purpose is to go to church, right? And Chase is doing an incredible job through this counterculture series talking about some of the tensions we experience in our culture. But you guys are on the front lines of living out what it means to be a follower of Jesus for people that might, percentage-wise, say, be the most opposed to the gospel. The percentage of people that claim affiliation as none, like no religious belief, has increased exponentially over the last number of years. It says, right now, the statistics indicate that 33% of people under 30 would say they have no religious affiliation. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to see yourself on the front line of this mission as a church. We need to learn, learn, we need to learn from you what you need to thrive as a follower of Christ in your workplace, in your schools. We want to equip you to do that. And that's why I love that you have this space. We're here to help you live into this adventure that God has for you. And I want to just challenge you to pray. Because I was reading a book on prayer this, this week, and I believe all movements of God start with prayer. They can't be manufactured. And we begin to pray for the people around us. God shares his heart for the people around us. And I was reading the history of revival movements and the history of the church this week. And throughout the Bible and throughout movements of God throughout history, they often start with young adults. And I was reading about this one revival I'd never heard about. It was in Northern Ireland in 1859, and there was a lot of sectarian violence. There was incredible drunkenness. There was high unemployment. Uh, there was a, a, a heavy anti-religious spirit. And a revival broke out that saw 100,000 people make commitments to Christ. And do you know how it started? Four young adults that met, brokenhearted to pray for their nation. And that revival broke out and went to nine different countries around Ireland. And the Holy Spirit just began spreading like fire, and it started with four young adults that heart was broken to pray. Say, God, use me. I want to make a difference in this generation. I want to see you move. And maybe God's calling some of you guys to be that brokenhearted person for yourselves. Mother Teresa uh, once said when people would come to visit her in the slums of Calcutta, she would say, they were so inspired, and they would want to come join her, and she'd say, you know what you need to do? You need to go find your own Calcutta. Because we don't need another American moving to India. We need you to find the sick and the suffering and the lonely right where you are because they're all around us and they need the hope that we found in Christ. And the last thing that I'll say is that you need to find your story. That God has a story and a path for you that is unique to your situation and your calling, your purpose is going to come out of your story. At the end of the Gospel of John, there's this really cool moment where, you know, at the beginning of the Gospel, he said, come follow me, you fishers of men. Then Jesus died, and his followers were like, well, I guess it's over. Even though he said he was going to rise from the dead, people don't do that, right? So they're like a little skeptical. So what do we find them go back to doing? Fishing. That's what they knew to do. And so Jesus shows up on the shore, risen from the dead, what they thought was over was just getting started. And do you know what he said to them? They were out there fishing. They worked hard all night. They were trying so hard to make it work. And they caught nothing. And Jesus said, you know what? Cast the net on the other side. You know what happened? This breaking of the net full of fish. It says there were 153 fish that they had to drag to the shore. And they knew immediately it was the Lord. And maybe that's what some of you need to hear tonight is that maybe you've been trying really hard on your own strength to find your purpose when you just need to start surrendering and listening to Jesus. 
and being willing to follow him, and that that's where the fruit, that's where the freedom, that's where the peace, that's where the open doors, they're going to start coming. Because Jesus has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life that's so much greater than what you could come up with on your own, and you're only going to find that if you listen to him. And the cooler thing about the story is that Jesus knew that Peter was struggling with some stuff inside. And so he cooks this meal for him because Jesus just loves to hang out with us. He cooks a meal, fries some fish, they eat some bread, and they come to the meal, and, and then he says, hey, Peter, come over here for a second. Let's have a one-on-one. And he sees into his heart. He sees into the place where he knew, Peter knew that he had failed, he had blown it, he had denied that he even knew Jesus three times before. And he felt so much shame in that place. Even though he knew the right thing to do, he just didn't do it. And Jesus looked into his heart and said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he did that to restore that place inside so that Peter could have the chance to tell Jesus he loved him again, eye to eye. Because the truth is, even though Peter gave up on Jesus, Jesus never gave up on Peter, and Jesus has never given up on you. And maybe you're here, and you know you're doing stuff that denies that you even believe in Jesus. No one at your workplace, your college, even know you're a Christian. And what you need to hear tonight is that Jesus, he sees into your heart, and he says, I love you. And I have a story for you to take care of my lost and hurting lambs and sheep. I want to send you into my mission. I have a place for you in my story. And it's going to come out of the place where you get in touch with your need for me and your brokenness and your shame. And as you give that over to me, you're going to have a story to share that gives other people hope because it is true to you. And it's often true that people find their greatest calling out of their brokenness and their need for Jesus. It's amazing that people that have really screwed up as a youth, they want to do youth ministry. <laughs> they want to invest in teens. Uh, people, man, that they've, they've been suicidal, they want to help other people find that God hasn't given up on them and there's a better way. People that have been addicted to drugs and alcohol, man, they want to help other people find freedom in that. So whatever it is that you have in here tonight that you've been carrying inside, you've been pushing down, I want you to know Jesus sees it And he has a story for you on the other side as you give that over to him. Jesus sees the details of your life. And you will find God's purpose for your life as you learn to be close with him, to follow him, to get to know his voice for yourself and let him lead your story. So we're going to invite the band back up. And what I'd love to do now is just just encourage you for a moment before we respond in worship, just to, to close your eyes. And just have a moment with Jesus. I want you to just picture Jesus looking you face to face. And I want you to ask, have you ever said yes to him for yourself? Have you ever told Jesus that you love him? Well, in your heart, I'd love for you just to do that now. In whatever way that makes sense to you. Just picture yourself telling Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you. And maybe you're here and and you're not sure you're ready to make that choice. And I want you to know you're loved right where you are. I'm glad you're here. Jesus is glad you're here. 
He's always knocking on the door of your heart saying, hey, open it up, let me in. Stop trying so hard to do it your way. Why don't you try things my way? For some of you, you need to know that God's not ashamed of you. Of whatever it is that you've been struggling with, that you haven't told anybody about, God knows it and he sees it and he's here to set you free. So I want to encourage you to open your heart to receive that tonight, to listen to God's voice speaking to you and to let him lead you into the purpose that he has. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.